is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are so blessed. The topic today is Monsignor Joe Luca, good shepherd and faithful priest. Recently, we just had the passing and the, and the death and the funeral uh, for Monsignor Luca. And so we have two people who really can speak to the gift of this faithful priest. In our first segment, we have Father Michael Diascanis. In our second segment, we'll be able to have Pat Marlette, a longtime parishioner, and Monsieur Luca was just a, a spiritual father to them in personal ways, and also that she and her husband worked closely with them for many, many years at St. Louis Clarksville, so we look forward to hearing her in our second segment. Special welcome to you, Father Michael. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be with you. Great. So you've been pastor uh, more recently of the parish of St. Louis and St. Francis of Assisi. How would you describe Monsignor Luca and what was your connection of when you first got connected with him? Well, to start, yes, Monsignor was the pastor of these two parishes. He pastor of St. Louis Parish for 26 years, so really became a spiritual father here, several generations mm-hmm. of parishioners. But 23 years into his work, at age 75, he was asked to take a second parish. St. Francis of Assisi, so then mm-hmm. served two parishes up until age 78, which is quite extraordinary, his willingness right. to take on that extra duties when normally we would be slowing down in our priesthood. And maybe that's kind of a way to describe him. He, he never slowed down. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of priests saw that in him and was inspired by that. He only stopped working because he couldn't work anymore. His, his illness took over, so very kind of admirable. But I remember getting to know him really he invited priests to his rectory here at St. Louis, uh, mm-hmm. maybe every two months for prayer together to meditate on the upcoming Sunday gospel and do Lectio Divina with it together. And then to pray mm-hmm. evening prayer and have good social time, fraternity, have a good meal, which is actually the first time I ever really, I think, did Lectio Divina. So he introduced me to a new way of praying and mm-hmm. helped me connect with more priests in the diocese. So I got to know him when he visited me invited me to the rectory, and now I live in the rectory, which is uh, right. amazing. <laughs> That's right, carrying on the hospitality, I believe, as the Archbishop said in the <laughs> in, in his w- remarks at the funeral. I yeah. took that as an order. I took that as an order from the bishop. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Continue the legacy. So, and, and how about, what about his just connection with so many priests and seminarians with vocations? Can you speak to that? Yes, there's many facets of Monsignor Luca, which I think is what's so impressive. But he wanted to spend time with priests and connect priests. And St. Louis is blessed with a very big rectory, at least in the last 16 years. But he used it. He would invite priests, as I said, for these gatherings every other month. He was known to have a St. Joseph dinner tradition, where he'd invite over 20 priests for evening prayer and dinner on the feast of St. Joseph, his patron saint, but also a patron of celibate fathers. And he used the rectory to priests could come and spend time there. And But he also fostered vocation. So priestly fraternity was one aspect, vocation is another. Currently, we have six seminarians uh, between wow. St. Louis and St. Francis Parish from the parishes. And uh, his pallbearers at his funeral mass were six priests who came from this parish who've been ordained, including yourself, mm-hmm. as you right, well Yeah, know. sure. 
Um, mm -hmm. And it was very powerful to see that. Two other priests from the parish, one is a Carmelite monk and could not be there. One was out of the country. So just generations of priests, uh, vocations have been fostered here, partly through his help. Mm -hmm. And obviously he was connected to so many people in different parishes. Can you share stories about his love for his people or share some stories that, regarding that? Right. I'm learning those stories now as, as his successor. Such a privilege to try to continue the good work that he, he did here. This Prior to Monsignor Luca was Monsignor Sauerwine. He was here, I think, 28 years. Mm -hmm. So between the two of them, they've been here over 50 years. So they're not wow. used to new priests here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning yeah. my way. But he, both of them were real fathers and really dedicated themselves to the parishes, just spent time here. They were very present to the people, very available in the parish office during the week, on the weekends, and started some great initiatives for the parish, Bible studies that are ongoing, Acts retreats, parish retreats, Discovering Christ program, an evangelization program. And mm -hmm. he had the gift of starting something. Once he started, it didn't end. So these are, these are right. ongoing 15, 20, 30-year programs. Um, so really feeding the people spiritually. But at the funeral, I heard a lot of stories about him visiting the sick, prisoners visiting with people in troubled times, and it's no one can figure out how he found the time to do all that he did. Right. That was his. Uh, That's his. His bit of magic. Mm -hmm. And he had a steadiness about him too, didn't he? Just a sense of like, just unruffled. Uh, never seemed hurried. I'm no. sure he was hurried, but he never seemed hurried. And seminarians said if they called, he he always seemed available and ready. Whenever we came for one of the priest events, everything was organized and set up beautifully, with no fuss. So. That, yeah, that was one of his gifts as well. He had a sense of style, but also a sense of preparation, preparedness. One of the other mm -hmm. aspects of his life, he, he was a pilgrimage priest. He took a pilgrimage right. every year with parishioners, mm -hmm. introducing them to the land of Jesus, the Holy Land, the shrines in Jerusalem and Bethlehem and Galilee, also Rome, the tombs of the saints, and praying with the Pope and the apostles, mm -hmm. uh, as well as other parts of Catholic culture and other countries. Mm -hmm. So again, just another aspect of his multifaceted work. He's best known, or most publicly known, for building. Right. As this parish really grew quickly in the last 30, 40 years, he helped build the new church, which seats 1,300 people. But he also renovated the old chapel. So a lot of renovation work and building work. And when I arrived here, they said, there's nothing left to build, Father. So that's a gift <laughs> that he's handed on to mm -hmm. me and to the parish. Beautiful mm -hmm. buildings in which to learn our faith and to worship our God. That's right. And like you said, both the building up of the church with the, the buildings and, and just his, his presence with people. I, I remember just at the funeral, just the number of people of, he just spent time with me. You know, it was very encouraging as a priest to really say like these little, the kind of hidden life of a priest, just encouraging this person or sitting down with that family in need. And I'm sure there's, your diocese, all of the diocese, everybody has stories, and keep sharing those stories. I think it's a, a great time. Can you share a little bit about his his last his experience of even ministering to those also getting cancer treatments? Yeah, so Monsignor was diagnosed with cancer the first time about 20 years ago, shortly after, a few years after he came to St. Louis. Most people didn't know that. He kept it very private, but he had an off-and-on struggle with cancer at different times in different places, different degrees, over 20 years. And he was quoted as saying he thought that made him a better priest, this, this sacrificial priesthood and offering up mm -hmm. his sicknesses and his sufferings. 
as prayer for his people, also in solidarity with those who were sick. Even when he went for treatment, I understand, he would sometimes minister to the people sitting in the chairs nearby him and to the nurses. And it didn't slow him down. It didn't slow him mm-hmm. down until until it stopped him. And he only left because it stopped him. But I think even the last year and a half of this very serious illness was a holy time for him, another phase of his priesthood. It just it humbled him, and he accepted and embraced it and kept it prayerful. And again, mm-hmm. didn't complain. He kept it private. But I think he he lived out his priesthood through the illness to the end. Right. Yeah, the hidden... Yeah, the hidden life of of a priest and the hidden life of he just surrendering himself more and more, which makes, you know, I think it only, it's only on the other side of eternity that we'll be able to, to see really all the fruits that come from that. Mm-hmm. The effect of that. Someone said, we're not canonizing him, are we? I said, well, visible fruits of his life and his work and his dedication and also his suffering at the end and his purgatory on earth through his illness. We'll leave that up to God, but we have great confidence. He's on his way to mm-hmm. heaven. Yeah. How would you describe the funeral if someone wasn't able to get there? Obviously, God willing, they can watch it online, but what was your experience of the funeral itself? Uh, the funeral was a little bit of heaven. Several people have said that. They felt like they were in heaven and they didn't want it to end. Like Peter at the Mount of Transfiguration. Let's build three tents here, Lord, and stay. So there was, uh, it was kind of like the choirs of, of the angels in heaven. We had we had a cardinal and three bishops. We had 70 priests. We had three religious sisters. We had 10 seminarians. We had a 1,000 people and two combined choirs from the two parishes. And it was just a glorious expression of our Catholic faith, of a prayer to God for him, but also celebrating his life, thanking God for his life, mm-hmm. celebrating our our union with Jesus through the Catholic Church and through a parish family. And it was really a moment for the family coming together of the parish, but also the diocese, and thanking mm-hmm. God for a life well lived. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, we just we didn't want it to end, but unfortunately it had to end. And we try to continue his work. I remember it being a very special time at the all-night vigil of his body, which is is, is a, a, a beautiful grace to have that with a number of parishioners seeing them come and, and, and stopping by the casket and just praying, interceding, but also most likely asking for his prayers too. The whole mystery of he's right. they're still with us. Our loved ones are still with us when they die in the Lord. Yeah. The mm-hmm. communion of saints, we pray for them, they pray for us. So his body his body was present in the church for twenty four hours and as you said, people came in and out, public visitation, but then all through the night. At least two or three families were present every hour of the night. And just mm-hmm. a chance to feel his closeness, his bodily presence, even though he had died. And yeah, praying for him and asking his prayers for us. Very powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, what a blessing. Father Michael Diascanis, the pastor of, of St. Louis and St. Francis of Assisi, he still inspires us. We're also blessed to have Pat Marlette with us. Pat is a longtime parishioner with her husband, Pat. She's Patricia and Pat. Monsignor Luca was a, a dear friend, also a, a spiritual father to them for many years. She and her husband worked closely in many ways over a number of years. So we're blessed to have her in our second segment. Kenneth, thank you for your time, and, and may he continue to inspire priests. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank God for the privilege of, of knowing and having the friendship of Monsignor and the privilege of continuing his work. So great to speak with you. Amen. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio, and we'll be back in a moment. I hear- 
have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The Archdiocese of Baltimore will host its first public discussion session for its Seek the City to Come initiative, October 17th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Archbishop Curley High School in East Baltimore. It will be the first of six regional, quote, open prayerful discussions, end quote, as part of the Seek the City to Come, the Archdiocese of Baltimore's community-based initiative created to reimagine Catholic life in Baltimore City and some of the surrounding county parishes. The discussion welcomes all who have an interest in Catholic life in Baltimore, specifically members of the parishes of the churches that are involved in Seek the City, community members, and all who are interested in where the church is heading in the future. The Seek the City initiative was unveiled September 29th by Archbishop William E. Laurie. The two-year listening and discernment process will focus on the 57 parishes in the city and a few near-in parishes in Baltimore County, with the goal of a more vibrant ministry. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Calvert Hall College High School announced that its Hall 175 campaign has surpassed 75% of its $28 million goal. The announcement was made October 6th by Christian brother John Kane during the president's reception at the Towson-based Catholic High School run by the De La Salle Christian Brothers since it was founded in Baltimore in 1845. Hall 175, the most ambitious fundraising initiative in Calvert Hall's history, launched in 2019 to commemorate the school's 175th anniversary. The campaign has 115 commitments of $25,000 or more and four of at least $1 million. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. The Second Vatican Council was the universal Catholic Church's response to God's love and to Jesus' command to feed his sheep, Pope Francis said, celebrating the 60th anniversary of the Council's opening. Pope Francis presided over the Mass October 11th in St. Peter's Basilica, where the Council held its four sessions from 1962 to 1964. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolden. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed. The topic for today is Monsignor Joe Luca, Good Shepherd and Faithful Priest. In our first segment, we had Father Michael Diascanis sharing great stories and the witness of him, especially inspiring to other priests. And we're blessed to have Pat Marlette with us. Pat is a longtime parishioner of St. Louis Clarksville. She and her husband, also Pat, uh, just worked closely with them on many different projects and throughout St. Louis. And Monsieur Luca was a great spiritual advisor to them. So welcome, Pat, today. Thank you, Father. I appreciate that. Yeah, so you've known him for many years as the pastor of St. Louis Clarksville. Share with me a, a little bit about how you work, worked with him and just really his presence in your life. Well, I, I must tell you that we were so blessed to have him in our lives when he came into our lives. Monsignor Luca always said, there's no such thing as a coincidence. And he actually came to St. Louis when I was teaching at St. Louis. So I taught there, mm-hmm. the parochial school there for five years, and he came at that time. 
and of course made a fast friendship with my husband who had a lot of experience doing building projects throughout the state of Maryland. My husband builds the fire and rescue training centers around Maryland. So he knew what he was doing and how to work with architects and construction people. And my husband became a liaison with Monsignor, to Monsignor from the architectural and construction perspectives. And I remember they did a needs assessment and Monsignor said, well, how long do you think this project will take? And my husband said, probably 25 years. And indeed, that's how long it took. Monsignor Luca, we were blessed with his presence at St. Louis for 26 years. And they worked side by side to build a a new residence, which was sorely needed for the priests. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was just told last night what a wonderful thing that residence was for Monsignor's funeral, because there were a number of young seminarians camped out in the basement. The mm-hmm. priest visiting there, the three priests visiting, got to sleep in the bedrooms, the suites that <laughs> we created yes. for them. But the seminarians had to sleep down in the basement, and it must have been like a <laughs> camp out. So we we're blessed to have that wonderful residence. And then my husband helped to build the new church, which was sorely needed because our parish was growing rapidly as Howard County was rapidly. And Monsignor's theory about building a beautiful church, a, a holy church, a religious place where people could feel their prayers uplifted to heaven was important. I mean, it's almost a Kevin Costner thing, you know, build it and they will come. And indeed, Mm -hmm. they continue to come. We're a parish of about 5,000 families. So it's, it's huge. Of course, we have a beautiful school and that was renovated Mm -hmm. and in it's, it's in a, in a wonderful state. He, He didn't miss refurbishing the 1889 chapel, which is on 108. And then also mm-hmm. our original church was at the cemetery, was in complete ruin. And we we redid that as well. And now it's a wonderful place where we do say the funeral prayers when we buried a loved one from the parish. So he worked hard to make it a holy and prayerful and beautiful campus where people could feel the closeness of God. And of course, our school and religious ed programs are top notch and they bring many, many people in because it's so, so strong a religious aspect. His mm-hmm. leadership was amazing. I'm, I'm just reflecting on the wonderful teaching that he did, especially during COVID. Mm-hmm. Every week he put out a 20 minute video explaining wow. everything from the, the sacraments to the mass to the vestments that the priests wear and things that people might not know he he shared with us he was a wonderful wonderful teacher and helped keep people connected to the parish even though we were disconnected because we couldn't worship in the church but he really kept us together so we were very very lucky to have him tell me about your experience of just him as a spiritual leader with pilgrimages yes oh my goodness we were blessed to go to rome with him italy france and I think most memorable, of course, is the Holy Land. And every mm-hmm. Christian, every Catholic should go and have the opportunity to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We also followed the geographical steps of St. Paul with him, which then mm-hmm. took us to Ephesus. And it was, for me, an amazing place to be where the Blessed Mother had spent her last years waiting to rejoin her son in heaven. The, the pilgrimages were always a mass every day and instruction about the places we were and he, he he never he 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 enjoyed it. He enjoyed traveling, and he enjoyed sharing his expertise. In fact, I'm thinking now it was is one of the churches that we visited had beautiful holy water fonts, and he modeled our baptismal font in the church after that holy water oh, font. Wow. Uh, the, the doors of our tabernacle are modeled after one of the sets of doors 
in Rome. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just had such good taste and such an mm-hmm. educated mind about the world and about the church in the world. He brought all that to bear for us and was always mm-hmm. there for us spiritually and, and of course, personally. I, I don't know how we would have managed to deal with the death of our two beautiful college-age yeah. daughters uh, mm-hmm. in 2001. Our girls, Colleen and Aaron, were killed in a tornado on the University of Maryland mm-hmm. College Park campus. I remember. Yeah. And he helped us get through that. I mean, in fact, it was he who came to the house to tell me that we had lost mm. them. And I'll never forget that night. He was so tender and caring. And we, 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 he called my house probably every day during all these constructions we were doing. Mm-hmm. But I could never, we could never call him Joe. We could only call him father because he was such a right. wonderful spiritual father. He established for us, uh, he helped to establish our scholarship in the girls' names. We have the Colleen and Aaron Marlett Scholarship Fund which mm-hmm. we designed to help assist teachers in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, teachers who teach in the parochial schools and want to send their children to Catholic high school. Because I myself, teaching in a parochial school, didn't know how I was going to get the tuition payments for my daughters at NDP or my son at St. Joe. And so Monsignor shared his wisdom, his work, his wealth. I mean, he was always contributing in one way or another to the scholarship fund, and he was a founding board member. And again, he was he has so much expertise and insight into how things worked in the archdiocese that he was just ever so helpful. Don't know what we would have done without him, and we we loved him dearly, and we've missed him terribly during his illness when he couldn't be with us. Just a magnificent human being, a, a wonderful, caring person. As my husband says all the time, did he ever not do what you asked him to do? Any favor. Anything you needed, any time you needed with him, you know, he was there. I'll never forget, as busy as they are at this huge parish, Monsignor came here and visited my daughter Erin when she had brain surgery, which was the semester before she died in the tornado. I mean, he spent time talking with her. When I had surgery, he came and spent time just talking and listening. And, I mean, what a gift. What a gift to us personally, to the parish to I know all his brother priests, what were there, 70 priests, 45 70 deacons? 70 priests, yes. Yeah, 70 priests. I mean, yeah. it was just a wonderful show of how he had supported them in life, and now they were supporting him in his next life. And it was just a beautiful testament to who he was. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think also touching were the, were the acolytes, where there maybe, I didn't count, but it looked like maybe 12 young men, high school students who took off from school. Oh, they like that. But they were there yeah. and they stood by his coffin. I mean, they stood by his coffin and prayed. And I I don't know, I said to Sister Seal sitting next to me, Sister Celia, I said, if we don't get some vocations, if he doesn't get more vocations out of this, <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know what we could do because certainly he inspired so many of our own young men and young women too, the religious life, the young men to the priesthood in our own parish. He was very instrumental in always encouraging vocations and talking to young men about, I think, how much he loved the priesthood and how much his mm-hmm. life was a testimony of loving what he was doing. He he just loved what he was doing, and he was so good at it. Mm-hmm. Hard to fill those shoes. Um, now we're lucky to have another leader, but mm-hmm. a difficult task to fill his shoes, for sure. Mm-hmm. We loved him dearly, pride at losing him, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was funny, Father. You, you said the the Hail Mary before we started this, and actually that was the last prayer I sang to him when Aww. we were at his side the Sunday before he passed away. We were with him, and 
I remembered that we were on one pilgrimage. Actually, I think it was the Turkey and the Ephesus visit. And it was Mother's Day. And I sang the the Hail Mary, the simple Hail Mary, not the Ave Maria. Mm. I'm not that good. Mm. But he said, oh, that's his favorite version. And so I thought, we're going to pray. Sister France said, let's pray. So we started the Hail Mary and I, I sang it for him. And um, oh. There was a bit of a reaction, you know, um, he, he fluttered his eyes a bit and I know he wanted to speak. What a, what an awful, awful thing for him to lose towards the end was his speech that's right. because that's what mm-hmm. he was so excellent at doing. Even if it did take eight minutes to get through the homilies, <laughs> it, 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 he was always right. such a, a wonderful and eloquent and speaker and more than that, teacher. I, you know, I think I began this interview by saying, what a wonderful teacher he was, and he continued to teach us all through his life and through his sickness, and he'll continue to teach us, I think, through his death and eternity. And the only good thing is, I feel like I can talk to him directly now. And yes. before, he was at a distance when he was at Mercy Ridge, so now he's mm-hmm. he's close by. So we're lucky, lucky to have him in our lives for forever forever. Pat, well, wonderful. Thank you for sharing just beautiful stories. He's inspired us all and encourages us all. You know, there's just this topic of Monsignor Luca, good shepherd and faithful priest that hopefully everybody has stories. Let's keep sharing stories with others Indeed. and it just inspires us. Well, thank you Indeed. for sharing those stories with us, Pat. You're wonderful. welcome, Father Brian. Lovely to talk Great. to you. Bye-bye. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio and may God bless you. Remember the spirit of your parish community, the power of worshiping together, the warmth of friends new and old who share your faith. Join us for Mass this weekend. Visit archbelt.org to find a Catholic parish near you. Feel the joy. With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love. <laughs>